Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Well, I need your help this morning. I've got quite a few things uh, written down, and I want to make sure we cover the right things uh, this morning. How many know this is, a, this is a partnership that we have? And so I know I like to say this often, but we need to be reminded uh, it's a partnership. And so I need you to believe in God with me. But then, you know, drawing on the anointing and, and expecting the Spirit of God to speak to you, I believe we have some good things that he uh, wants to communicate this morning. Are you with me? Yes. Praise God. How about the rest of you? Are you with me? All right. What about this side? Are you with me? All right. What, Brother Wayne, you with me? All right, all right. So I'm just covering, just, just making sure we cover the whole room. So um, we've been talking about vision in, in the recent weeks around here, and uh, we specifically spent some time talking about what vision is and the vision of our church. Now we're getting into some details, and back at two, we're making things plain so that we're all on the same page as far as where we're headed and where we've been, and, and we're going in the same direction we've been going in and these things, and, and just clear insight into what we're doing and what's happening. We've read this verse in Proverbs 29, 18. says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so that's the, new, the, the King James translation, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so it's important that we all have a clear insight of what's going on because that word perish means to run astray. You can say this, go in different directions. And I don't know about you, but if you made it here this morning, I'm not sure about all of you. I know for me, the fact that I'm here this morning means that all of me went the same direction, right? I wouldn't be here today if my hands decided to stay or if my head decided to go to the beach or something. No, we had to be in agreement if we were going to go somewhere. Well, as a church, we've all got to be on the same page and we're members of one another and we've been joined together. We need to go in the same direction. You know, when we go in the same direction, we get there a lot faster too. And I believe there's some things that the Lord wants us to accomplish, some things that he has for this day and for this hour. And we always pray. One of the things we always ask when, when, I, when I minister, I ask, you know, give us wisdom to live our lives well, a heart of understanding that we would count our days well. And if the Lord tarries, uh, and, and if he comes back in our life, don't worry if he tarries, our time is really short, so we need to take advantage of it and, and go where we, where we need to go as quickly as possible. It's like when you go on vacation, unless your vacation plan is to roam, you generally want to get there pretty quick. You want to get there and get to where your destination is so you can enjoy the destination, so you can accomplish what you need to. Uh, you don't just set out on vacation and, and I'm, I, our plan is to go such and such. We're going to go to the mountains in Virginia, but we're just going to just drive and, and just see where the road takes us. How I many you know you might not get much of a vacation if you do that? Well, as a church, we've got to be focused. And so these are some things that will help focus us and uh, keep us on track for what the Lord has for us. So we want to make sure we accomplish in this life and our time together everything God has called us to do. Amen. You might say, what's the big deal? I'm telling you, we're going to look back and how we do this and how, how proficient we were at doing that very thing in this life will mean so much to us. And so we're, God, by his grace and his mercy, is giving us always opportunities to fine-tune our vision and fine-tune our steps and make sure we're aligned with him. So that's what we've been talking about. And, and we're not going to get into a lot of the details of the things we've talked about in the past uh, you can go back and listen to those. I trust if you've been missing services or been serving or on vacation, you will go back and listen to those. They're important for us. But we started talking about the value or the importance of God's word. And uh, this is uh, uh, the foundation 
of our Christian life, this is the foundation of our Christian walk, is the Word of God. There's nothing else we can build our life on that is stable outside of the Word of God. Outside of what his word promises, what, is, what, what, what the word reveals about Jesus, about the Father, about the Holy Spirit, what it reveals about us, it, that is our foundation is what the word of God says. And so last week, you know, it was our second uh, service, second Sunday morning, talking about uh, the value of God's word. And really, we kind of, we, we, we hovered for a little while, and I wanted to inspire you to start valuing this gift that you have, the, 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 the word of God, it's so common in, in these days. You know, really, uh, somebody recently had written that the word of God, the Bible, at this point runs the risk of be- gaining this awful moniker as a historical piece, as a classic, as, as, as um, you know, a classic. And the problem with those kind of things, those are things that people refer to, but they don't actually read. And so the Bible is not a classic. While it is classic, it's not a classic in that sense. And it's not a historical piece. It's not a great example of literature. It is God's very own word. We read the scripture. Uh, let me find my place. Um, uh, we'll look here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I believe we read this scripture, uh, these two scriptures last week. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 It says, all scripture, say all scripture. All scripture scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That means it's beneficial to you. Every scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Why? That the man of God, the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means without the word of God, you can't be thoroughly equipped and you can't receive the things that you need to to receive. There is no other place for this. People say, well, we have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but he always comes, the things that he says, the things that he leads us to do are always in line with the word of God. They're not in opposition of that. They're not opposed to that. It is perfectly lined up with God's word because that is what has been given for our time, for this season that that we're in is God's word and his spirit will always agree. How many know there's a lot of voices out there? There's a lot of voices out there. You you probably heard some voices this morning when you got up. Oh, it rained a lot last night. Woke, Woke us up every half an hour. I... I feel like maybe the Lord's leading me just to sleep in. Well, you know, you could take that leading and that voice of your flesh or, or, or whatever. You could take that and, 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 and think that that's God's will. They say, well, God loves me. He wants me to be blessed. He said he'd give his beloved rest. And I didn't get any last night, so I need to rest. You can even use scripture to validate things, right? <laughs> But you know, the Holy Spirit wouldn't lead you that way. Your flesh would have a voice and would try to get you to do something. Well, you need to know what God's word says. Well, the word says not to forsake the assembling of yourself together. And that doesn't say when, when it's not rainy the night before. So it, it just means not to do it. And so you're here, so you did that. But there's a lot of voices and a lot of things that are pulling on us. Without God's word, we, we would just be pulled in all sorts of different directions. Pulled this way, pulled that way, just unstable in everything that we're doing. So God's word is valuable. Uh, Brother uh, uh, Shower gave me this this past week, and I'm going to read this to you. This is an excerpt from uh, Barclay's commentary. It was out of the book of Luke and the, when he wrote this. 
Remember I'd given the example last week when the, when the, the, the church in China, our brothers and sisters in China, when they, the video that I saw them, when they received their first Bible, had never had one before and received it, how they, they opened it and they handled it with such care and they were so happy to have it. You know, we, a lot of times we, many of us have lost that. Many in the church have lost it because it's so common. But I want to read this to you, what uh, uh, Barclay said here. He said, available to everyone is the Bible. Now, the wording is a little different, a little old English, but you'll, you'll get the point. Available to everyone is the Bible, the Word of God. It did not cost nothing. There was a time when it was death to teach the English Bible. When Wycliffe wrote, a, wrote to a certain scholar about the year uh, 1350, asking him to teach the common people the gospel stories in the English tongue, he answered, I know well that I am holden by Christ's law to perform thy asking, but nay the less, we are now so far fallen away from Christ's law that if I would answer uh, that... Yeah, that if I would answer to thy asking, I must undergo the death. And thou wottest well know, uh, well, that a man is beholden to keep his life as long as he may. Later on, Fox was to tell us that in those days, men sat up all night to read and hear the, the word of God in English. Some gave five marks equals to, this was at the time it was written, was a, a particular time in that day, which would be a lot more now was equal to a certain amount of money. They gave a certain amount of money. For some, uh, they gave less for a book. Some gave a load of hay for a few chapters of St. John or even St. Paul in English. It was Tyndale who gave England its first printed Bible. To do so, as he said himself, he suffered poverty, exile, bitter absence from friends, hunger and thirst and cold, great dangers and innumerable, innumerable other hard and sharp fightings. In 1536, he was martyred. When some years before the, the author, uh, had, before the authorities had burned the book, he said, they did none other than I look for, no more shall they do if they burn me also. So he was, because he was translating the Bible into the common tongue, it cost him everything and he was martyred as a result of it. There is no book which costs as much as the Bible. Today it is in serious danger. Actually, this is the person who wrote it. Uh, this is in serious danger of deserving the cynical definition of a classic, a book in which everyone has heard and which no one reads. We have the privilege of possessing the Bible, and that privilege is a responsibility for all uh, uh, for which we shall answer. We have freedom to worship as we think right, and that too is a privilege which costs the lives of men. The tragedy is that so many people have used that freedom in order not to worship at all. That privilege too is a responsibility for which we shall answer. If a man possesses Christ in Christ's book and the, in the, in Christ's church, he is heir of all the privileges of God, and if he neglects them or refuses them, he, like the Jews in the time of Jesus, is a man under condemnation. So what powerful words that he said. Listen, this is, it didn't cost nothing. It did not cost nothing. And so you have this thing, this book in your hand, the very word of God on the printed page in your understanding, in your language that you can read. Let's not take that for granted. It is our foundation in life. It is the very thing that we are supposed to run to. When you have a question, you go to God's word. When you need answers, when you need deliverance, you go first and foremost, you go to God's word. That is our source in life. And so I'm, I'm hoping folks are beginning to spend some more time reading your Bible and spending time in the word of God. We said the early church did this and it was like an addiction to them. 
And I, and, I, and I don't want to ask any raise of hands, uh, you know, who have noticed this. Maybe you've not been reading up to this point, but those of you maybe who've not been reading as much as you should have or, or had opportunity to, you begin to notice there's a hunger on the inside of you as you're reading that I read a chapter and then like, oh, that was really good. And because you didn't just speed read it, but you actually studied it and you let the Lord speak to you out of it. Well, when you do, then there's a hunger. Well, you know, I can read, a, I can read a, a, another chapter, but because something on the inside of you is working. Why? Because the word of God is living and it's powerful. We read that scripture. It's living and powerful. It reveals him. It shows you of all who the father is, but also reveals you. You're not going to get that anywhere else. Said you're not going to get that anywhere else. Only through God's word. As you're spending time in the word of God, it'll feed your life. It'll feed who you are. There's a story of a, of a, a pastor that had a, a particular church member that, uh, we hadn't seen him in a while, wasn't doing really well. And so he'd called this man's wife and say, hey, what's going on? We'll just call him Joe. What's going on with Joe? She said, well, Joe's not doing real good. And, and, and I think you need to come see him. So he went to the house and Joe's in the backyard by the fire. They had a little fire going. He's in the backyard. And pastor came in and said, came out and said, well, hey, Joe. And he said, hey, pastor. He said, uh, I just want to come by and see how you're doing. We've not seen you in a while. And, and Joe said, well, he said, I just, I just been struggling just really hadn't felt like being there. Ever, ever had those feelings before? And just kind of just struggling to just get up and do the things that I need to do. And the, and the pastor said, well, let me ask you a question. Have you been reading your Bible on a regular basis? And Joe said, well, I got to be honest with you. No, I haven't. Pastor said, okay. He just sat there. They stared at the fire for a few minutes. Ever just stared at a fire? They stared at the fire for a few minutes. Then the pastor reached out and grabbed a stick and, you know, a poker. And he, and he pulled a log and he pulled it outside the fire pulled off to the side and just sat down and they sat there for a few minutes and watched this log burn by itself. Sat there for a few minutes. It got smaller and smaller and smaller. And the guy said, all right, pastor, I get your point. Because when you're away from the fuel, when you're away from, from the source of life, things grow cold. Things begin to go out. Well, when you are away from God's word, it's a Subtle thing, it happens very, very slowly, but the fire in your life can go out, become diminished, because why? You're not feeding yourself what you need. That fire on the inside, you need this. So you might say, I don't need it. Everybody needs the word of God. If you're gonna be a successful believer, you need a healthy diet of God's word. Not just a great message on Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, but you need this on a continual basis. It's vital to you. I want to look at uh, Proverbs or uh, Psalms chapter one, and uh, just one, verses one through three out of the Amplified Psalms one one through three, and these are scriptures that for me the last year I have read so many times and meditated on so many times. But in Psalms one one through three out of the Amplified it says blessed, and of course it tells us that means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. Does this sound good to anybody? Not just, oh, I'm just blessed, but prosperous, fortunate, enviable, right? Is the man who walks not, or walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and, and the mockers gather, but his delights... His delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law, precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God. 
he habitually meditates, ponders and studies day and, by day and by night. He shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaves shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Does that sound good to anybody? Yeah. No one, wa- no one wants to walk in the path of the ungodly because if you read on, that doesn't lead anywhere good. But in the paths of the righteous, when we're meditating on God's word, we have his promise that our life will flourish, that our life will produce what it needs to, what it needs to produce. And so his word is what you need. His word is what you need, and it needs to be a maintained focus in your life. And if you look in Joshua, that if you meditate in it day and night, that, that you will have good success. It doesn't just happen on its own. There is a part on our a side, an effort on our side, a part that we have to play, and that's meditating and studying in God's word. I want to encourage you, do this, do this, do this. As your pastors, we can tell when people are doing this. We can tell and you can tell when you're doing this because difficult times come to everybody. Opportunities come to everybody. There's always an opportunity for a little of your fire to get low, right? But when you're keeping that burning on the inside of you and the word of God fresh and hot and new, when something else comes, what happens? It just gets gobbled up in the flame, right? It just gets gobbled. I I like campfires, but every now and then I like to throw a little water on it just to see it smoke and make some noise, right? When a fire's good and hot and burning, you can throw a, a cup of water on it and it doesn't go out. It just sizzles a little bit and roars back to life. Listen, when the word of God is fresh, even when life tries to throw a cup of cold water on you, When that fire is burning and you're not removed, but you're right in the middle of it, you'll sizzle back to life. That's where success comes from. Listen, we should not live lives like this. The roller coaster of life. We're going good times and then we struggle for a few months. Then we have a few good months and then we struggle. That's no way to live. Jesus paid too great of a price for us to live that way. Well, if he wants me to live that way, he'll do so. He did. He gave you his word. He gave you his spirit. He's given you everything that you need. Take advantage of it. Amen. God's word is our base fuel in life. It's exactly what we need. You know, research tells us that ongoing happiness in life is directly tied to information and continued development or understanding. Just as people uh, that, that, that a part of, as we age, one of the key factors in happiness is continually learning. That's why people stay up on sports uh, f- you know, figures and numbers and they watch the news and they like to have information because it's a part of satisfaction in life. How much more so spiritually, a satisfied spiritual life is the continued gathering and growth revelation in God's word. If it'll work naturally, then it'll work spiritually for you as well. But like anything else, the devil always wants to get us sidetracked somewhere else and put something above the word of God and what will really bless us. Don't let other things take God's place. Don't let other things take God's place. And so as a church, we've always been a word church. We've been a church that has been strong on the teaching of God's word. Uh, you know, you're not going to hear a lot of uh, never have, never will, uh, hear a lot of messages that are public opinion. That's not the things that we're going to do. We're going to teach the word of God. That's, that's who we are. And we're not saying that in a snobbish way or, or looking down on somebody else, but we have a mandate to not teach and not present people's opinions, but the word of God. And so it's going to be something that we've always done, and it is something we've always done. It'll be something we continue to do. 
But, you know, in order for us to, to continue to move forward uh, the way God wants us to, we have to approach God's word with one clear uh, uh, um, parameter or classification or way of approaching it's so important that we as individuals and as a church present or approach the word of God and present the word of God as being 100% absolute. That's been one of the things that as a church we've been strong in all these years. We've not preached a two-sided message. We've not preached the message of, of compromise. We've not preached a message that, that is just all-encompassing. We just have endeavored to preach the word of God, not saying that we know everything and we're fully versed in everything, but it's been one of the the attributes of our church all these years, and we're gonna continue that. The word of God is 100% correct. Remember, it's inspired by God. It's it's God-breathed and it's profitable. Well, if, if we believe that to be true, then if we're going to receive more of it and be the light he's called us to be, we've got to approach God's word as 100% absolute. Now, I know we're, we're, we're living in a time where that is not necessarily uh, uh, liked or smiled upon. It's not something that is necessarily in vogue. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of voices out there uh, that would present another gospel, another way of looking at things that, that are not accurate. You know, the Bible tells us that in the last days, uh, evil times will come. Who knows the scriptures? In the last days, evil times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Talks about all of those things. Said they'll even heap up teachers they have itching ears and they heap up people that will tell them what they want to hear. That's a very dangerous place to be. Because when you're just hearing what you want to hear, it's so easy to be deceived. It's so easy to be led astray. And I think that's one of the greatest dangers. A lot of times we think of in the last days, evil, you know, uh, evil times, perilous times will come. And we think it'll be, it'll be of wars and all these things. The greatest danger is deception. I said the greatest danger that is facing the world, the church and the world, is not all of those things. It's deception. Now, deception manifests itself in a lot of different things, but the core of it is deception. You have right and you have wrong. You have the truth and you have things that are not the truth. You do know that, right? And if we approach the word of God in a, in a, in a gray approach, in a gray standard, then we open ourselves up to, to, to being deceived. But if we approach God's word as it is true and it is right and whatever it says, that is the way it is. There's been a, a common saying in recent times, you've heard this, I've heard this a lot, well, it's my truth. Well, I appreciate your truth, but this is my truth. Who's heard anybody say that this, something is their truth? Let me see some hands. Are y'all out there? Yeah. I think we've probably all heard someone, know someone, had a discussion, some sort of topic, <clears throat> could be a spiritual thing, could be not, just could be any, really it's going on in all kinds of places. And some things are personal preferences. What's the, what, who makes the best uh, chicken nuggets? Well, my truth would be Chick-fil-A. Your truth might be Zaxby's. You're wrong, but it could, you, you could say that. So there are certain things that are, that are personal preferences, but when it comes to the word of God, personal preference doesn't matter. You know, I brought this, I've had this on my chair now for several weeks, and um, I've had people ask me, what's up with the lighter? Why do you keep bringing this lighter to church? Because I haven't gotten to this yet. Um, now, I believe my truth would be that that is kind of hot. Pretty. Can you feel it? Anybody, can you feel this? I can't even feel it, but I believe that that's, that's warm. You might say, our friend, we've used uh, the, 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 the amazing uh, young man here. What's, he said, I got to stop sitting up here. Uh, 
<laughs> We've used Evan many times as, as examples, right? Evan could say, well, that's, that's your truth, Pastor Greg. I, I just don't believe fire's hot. I believe fire's cold. There are some things that are true no matter what you think. They're true because they're just true. And you're, you're saying something is not true or believing it's not true is not going to change the fact that if I put my hand over this and leave it for a few minutes, now guess what? I'm starting to feel something. Right there, I'm starting to feel something. I don't even want to go any further. Why? Because would you, who wants to go further than this and leave it here for a few minutes? I'm looking at my friend Carson. Do you want to do it, Carson? Anybody want to, anybody want to come? You, you believe that fire is not hot and you want to challenge this. And you, I really don't believe that, Pastor. I, I don't believe fire can do damage. It's not hot at all. I can grab it and hold on. Who wants to do that? Anybody this morning? Oh, no, I'm just checking. Anybody? Want? I'll let it go out. No, you don't want to do that because no matter what you think, it's hot. There's a lot of things in life. They are what they are, not because of how you feel about it. Or your experience or lack of experience. Maybe you, I put it out. I, 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 I put my hand on it. Did it burn me? No. So I could say I had experience with fire once and it didn't burn me. It must not be that hot. Well, I just, the, the circumstances weren't enough to cause pain and damage. But had I left it there, fire is by nature is hot and it will burn me. But a lot of times people approach things because, well, this has been my experience, and so I believe my experience outweighs the truth. Our experiences never outweigh the truth. And there are certain things that are true regardless. And as as believers, as a body, as, as members of one another, we have to uphold this understanding that there are some things that are right, there are some things that are wrong. When I say wrong, I don't mean as evil. I mean yes and no. You have what's true and what's not true. And if we, if we live gray, we, how many know if you're living gray, you're presenting gray. If you're living gray, you're preaching gray. And it may not affect you, but it could very well be life or death to somebody else. And so as a church, you know, as individual members, we've got to always be presenting the truth of God's word through our life, not the truth, not, not the, the voice of the day, but the truth of God's word by how we live. But as a church, we have to do the same thing. So I'm just telling you, Impact Family Church will always be a place where we never make apologies for the word of God. Why? Because no matter what culture says or somebody else says, right is, is right and wrong is wrong. Two plus two is never 37, right? No, no, new math. I don't know how that works, but it is not 30. Two plus two is four. There are certain things that are just facts. You can't live a life of Skittles and not eat anything but Skittles all day long and be healthy. That is, you cannot do that, right? There are some things that just, they're the way they work. Well, when it comes to, to what the Bible says, we have to treat it as absolute. Many, many people don't do that. I said many folks don't do that. And you might think, well, okay, this is, a, this is, what's the big deal? I hope you realize this is a massive issue. You know, use the example of the fire, just kind of give you, because we said most, most people are visual learners, just kind of give you something to, to attach what we're saying to. So anything that's kind of cute, Pastor Greg, this is not a cute, a cute discussion at all. Whether or not you treat God's word as absolute has the, the, the very uh, most important it's the most important factor of your life, whether you treat his word as absolute or not. If one part of God's word can be treated as not true, then who's to say any of it's true? 
And if we approach God's word through this gray perspective, then the enemy, it opens the door to, to, to deception. And when deception happens, you don't know you're being deceived. That's the very definition of being deceived. You don't know you're being deceived and you think you're hundred percent correct and you could be going in the wrong direction entirely and it can completely destroy your life. As you know, Pastor Amy's a pilot. Uh, my father-in-law, Sam, he's a pilot. Well, you know, when you are flying, you, can, you, you have instruments that are, that are on the dash and you go by those instruments. There are some times where you can't see the horizon and you go through clouds, you're going through weather and your body can tell you that what is up and what is down. And sometimes that feeling can be 100% wrong. You can think you're, being, you're flying level. And in fact, you're actually flying to the left. You're turning or you're dipping down. Why? Because you can't always go by how it feels. You've got to go by that, by that instrument. And when you don't do that, how many know not good things are ahead if you're flying by how you feel in those kind of circles? I don't want to be in a plane where the pilot is just winging it, right? And I'm just going to fly the way, what feels good today. No, 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 no. You, if you have that plan, tell me so I can get out of the plane. You need to see those instruments, see the horizon. I need to, I need to know you believe that that is true, Right? Your gauge is working and that you believe that that's true. We must do this in our life. I want to go to um, Revelations chapter 2 for a second. You know, I was really asking the Lord beforehand, you'd help us to, 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 to get what you want today. And this scripture jumped out at me. And this is in Revelation chapter 2. And of course, you have the, uh, the letters to the, to the seven churches that are here. And, and the, first, uh, the first person he addresses in chapter 2 is Ephesus. And then the, the next group was Smyrna. And then he got to uh, Pergamos in uh, verses 12 through, six, through 17. And some interesting things that he wrote here. Of course, now this is uh, when, when Jesus appeared to the, the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. And he gave, us, gave him instructions uh, and told him, showed him things that were to come and, and things that would happen. And in the book of Revelation, a lot of times people stay away from it, but it's a fascinating book. But these, these first few chapters, I believe, are, are vital because it's not just speaking about the future. It's talking about the condition of the church and, and things that were going on at the time. These were real churches where real things were happening. He was addressing real situations, but also they were, uh, they were given to us. These were also were prophetic words given to us that we could gauge our lives and, and live our lives by. So he's talking here to the church at Pergamum, uh, and and we're not going to go into uh, all the details um, about this, but he was writing to the angel or the pastor of this church, and he said, you know, these things that I write, and he went on and talked about several different things. But in verse 14, it says, but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, not just people that, that are, uh, have been exposed to it, but they hold on to it. That, that word when you look at hold is they, they were purposely not letting go of it. They had, they had grabbed a, taken a hold of this thing and they would not uh, let it go. He said, you have there, though there, those, thank you. She said, spit it out. <laughs> Pray for your pastor to spit it out. Spit it out in the name of Jesus. Therefore, the problem is the print is small, and uh, I don't have glasses on right now. It says, because, but my, my eyes are doing great, praise God. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to, Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat, eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. He said, you have people there that are holding on to it. You know, in our, our churches, in our times that come together, people are going to come in with all sorts of different things. 
And just as a side note, we ought not be, we ought not shun somebody because they don't have everything figured out. But when, a, if a person is open to the truth and they are learning as they, how many, who, who, who's arrived yet in this room that you're, you're nobody's arrived. So we're all at different places of learning and growth. And so I'll have things that we are, that the Lord is working out of us. And you know, the Lord's not, not requiring the same thing out of each of us. He may require one thing out of somebody else that they need to deal with this right now. He may be requiring somebody else to deal with this. But if we're following him, if we're truly following him, he's always pointing out things in our lives that we can, we can deal with. Well, in this church, they, were, they had people and he was, Jesus was not happy with the pastor or the church because there, there was a group that was knowingly holding on to the doctrine of Balaam. We're not going to get into the detail, but he says about sacrificing things, to, you know, eating things, sacrifice to idols, uh, sexual immorality. And so he said it's, it was a doctrine of compromise. And he said, I have this against you. He said, I, I have a problem with this. I don't know, if, the Lord, if the Lord Jesus tells me he has a problem with something, it should stir us. It should, it should stir us to, okay, do something about it. We shouldn't be okay with him not being happy. It's not like our neighbor doesn't like the way we cut our yard. This is a little different, right? This is not something small. This is the one who shed his blood for us. Part of the Godhead said he didn't like something. There are some there who are holding on to this doctrine of Balaam. He says, thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. He said, you also have there those who, those who are holding on. They, they were, they're refusing to let go. And the, the, I believe the, the reason why he had a problem with the pastor is he knew this was going on. And he wasn't addressing it, right? Because he was aware of it. You're always going to people that are dealing with things. And he was aware these people were dealing th with things. And he was aware they would not let go. Apparently some time was going on and they were refusing to change. You know, it, it, there's, there's different things here. But, but there are some things you cannot, you can't afford to have a large group or a segment of a body that's refusing to make adjustments. There are certain things you just can't afford. Apparently, according to Jesus, uh, eating things sacrificed to idols and committing sexual immorality were things that he was not okay with. And people who were holding on to these, the, these practices. And then he said, you have those also who are, who are holding to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Now, you've heard my story before. I said, you know, uh, pre-COVID pre uh, has certain foods that I didn't like. You know, and then after I had COVID the last time, suddenly uh, now everything eats good. Actually, this week we went somewhere and, and uh, I had sauerkraut. I used to despise sauerkraut. I couldn't eat it. I, I, they were ordering, it was a hot dog. And I saw there's sour. I only ordered the hot dog because it said there was sauerkraut on it. I just wanted to try it. It's changed how I eat, right? And so I'm looking around. I didn't want to, you know, I don't like hot dogs. I said before, I'm not a hot dog fan, but, but if you don't know why, when we, when we were, the church was first starting, we were very limited in funds and we ate a lot of hot dogs and a lot of rice aroni. Haven't had rice aroni in years, but a hot dog done right every now and then I'll try. But, but it wasn't even because of the hot dog. I saw on the menu, it was a New York style hot dog and it had kraut. I had to ask him, what is kraut? What does that mean? It's sauerkraut and mustard. I thought, well, it's got sauerkraut. Let me just try it. I ate it. Actually, I ate the sauerkraut by itself. I thought it was wonderful, right? I said, this is a great problem to have. Everything I eat now, I think is great. So I ate it just by itself and then I enjoyed it. I was putting as much sauerkraut as I could on there. But um, before that, I would tell you, I hate sauerkraut. Oh, I hate sauerkraut. I used to hate olives. 
You know the word, when I say I hated sauerkraut or I hated olives, that's not the same hate he's talking about here. A lot of times we hate something. Oh, I hate that. I hate the Gators. I hate the Seminoles. Do you really? I hope you don't, right? Oh, I hope that's just an expression to you. We really shouldn't just use certain words like that. We should be careful what we do. But, but we use that phrase a lot. Do you think Jesus was just throwing around the Nicolaitans? This is something that I hate. Kind of like sauerkraut. I hate that like I, I hate olives. I hate, I, 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 oh, I hate that. Oh, I hate. Do you think that's what that he meant? This word hate means he was completely disgusted by it. Yeah. You ever had something that, 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 you, that you encountered that was just disgusting to you? As a side note, there are things in this life that should cause that reaction in you. The other day we had something was going on and, and, and my kids, when they were in school, you know, we're in the summer now, but they'd come home and, and Mia was talking about something was going on at school. And, and I just thought how, how, you know, she was talking about just kind of the ridiculous situation that arose and I, and I won't even get into what it was, but I just told Amy afterward, I said, boy, times have changed because that she just discussed this. We're talking about it. it. It's just common every day. This stuff you're just seeing all the time in school. Had this happened in 1992 and I graduated and a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you know, 1992, had, had those things been going on then, it would have been like, what is happening? We, we would have had, this would have been a big deal, but it was just so common. There's a danger. We can approach life and these things, things that are going on around us just be seen as common and not a big deal. We don't hate people, but we should always be against sin. We should hate sin. Now, I know that a lot, for a lot of places, that's something that people don't really talk about a lot. That oftentimes gets very much pushed aside and not discussed because you don't want to offend somebody. Either the word of God is true or it's not true. See, the difference in success and failure is how do you approach his word? If his word says something is one thing, that's the way it is. And if he says it's something else, that's the way it is. Has nothing to do with how much you like somebody or how close you were to somebody or how much you want the best for somebody. It's either yes or it's no. It's either appropriate or it's not appropriate. And this blending of the lines had moved into the church here. And it it was the doctrine of Balaam. This is just some of the things he mentioned, sacrificing, eating food, sacrifice to to idols, and then sexual immorality. And then he said that the gospel or the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans, it was a a doctrine of absolute compromise. It was a doctrine of inclusivity. It was a, it was in a, this was in the church. This was a, something that had infiltrated the church. And it was a teaching that basically is you, you, for lack of a better way, you go along to get along. That you, you include people, you include this, you include that. You, you don't take a stand here. You, 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 you're, you're, you're soft on these things. You're, you're, you're progressive. That was another word that, that was a word of the Nicolaitans being progressive in the way you think. You're open to other things. Now, let me just say this. This is not political. In case anybody thinks, well, this, you're, that's a progressive political thing. No, it's not a, polit- it's not a, it's not a political thing. It's, a, it's an approach that doesn't hold to set standards. It's a view and an approach that, that is embracing of other things. 
When you start embracing other things that are contrary to this, you're headed for trouble. I said, you're headed for trouble. Why did Jesus hate it? Why was he disgusted by it? Why was he not just disapproving or didn't like it? He, he, he abhorred it. Why? It's because it was watering down the church. It was destroying their effectiveness. And if you read on, he didn't have good things to say. If they didn't get it fixed, it wasn't gonna be good for them, right? It wasn't gonna go well for them. They had to be strong in these areas. So what are we talking about? As a people and as a church, we've got to be strong on what God's word says. It's either what the scriptures say are right or they're not right. Let me, let, let's go. Y'all give me just another minute. Go to Galatians. Are you going to give me just another minute? Go to Galatians chapter uh, five. We'll look at verses 16 through 15. I'll start reading it to you. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is God's word. This was inspired. Remember, all scripture is inspired and it's profitable. That what? That the man of God should be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Meaning without this truth, without what he's saying here, you can't be complete, you can't be thoroughly equipped. Well, yes, I can. No. I'm I'm not pointing at the iPad. I'm not promoting Apple. I'm saying the word of God says, no. This is what you need to be thoroughly equipped right? This is why you need to be reading the word of God because other information is always trying to replace what his word says. Opinion is always trying to take over. If you walk according to the the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice he's talking to believers for the flesh lusts against, does the flesh lust against the spirit for believers? hundred percent. This applies to to non-believers as well. He said, for the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh lusts against the, against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. The idea, if it feels good, do it. Obviously it's not wrong. It's not right. That's a wrong, that's wrong. Just because I want to is not a good enough reason. He says, uh, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And just by starting this list, some people start checking out. I don't want, I don't want to talk about these things. I don't want to discuss these things. It makes, it, it makes me uncomfortable because I know somebody, all right, you think you know. A lot of times you need to just be thinking about ourselves, right? But, but these things make me a little uncomfortable talking about it. Churches avoid this stuff like crazy. I'm not, I'm not putting other churches down. It's none of my business what they do. Impact Family Church, we cannot avoid these things. I say we can't avoid these things. I believe this, a side note, I believe this. There is a generation that wants truth. There's a generation that wants to be free. There are people in this area that want the truth of God's word. Why? Because the truth will set you free. People are messed up because they've been lied to by the devil for generations. We need to present, how will they know if we don't present it? How will they know if we bow to to the current uh, of philosophy and culture and what media says? How will people know the truth if we stay quiet? There is no freedom outside of God's word and what his word says. We've got to stand for it. I'm telling you, this is huge. He said, he said, uh, the works of the flesh, let me find a place. The works of the flesh are evident. They're clear. That means don't be, don't, don't wonder about this. Is it okay or not? It says they're evident. Adultery, sex outside of marriage, all the things associated with that, fornication. Well, sex, well adultery is having sex with somebody, not your, your spouse, right? But fornication, all those things outside of marriage. 
uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, putting something or somebody above God. Boy, we, we don't have time to, we're not spending time on these. People live with a lot of idols in their life. Sometimes great things, nothing wrong with them. The only, fact, the only problem with them is you put somebody's put them above God. That's the moment it becomes wrong. It becomes idolatry. Sorcery, hated, hate, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. He's saying the list goes on. There's other things. But he lists all of those things. Now, notice what it says, of which I tell you beforehand. I'm telling you this before. You need to know this now. How many know, coming to the real, real when, when every person will stand before Jesus, either because they bowed their knee in submission in the beginning or they're bowing their knee by force later. Every person, nobody can, will be able to stand in front of them and say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. No, no, they, they, will, have to, they will have to submit to the authority of, of, of creation and to God. But he's giving us an opportunity to before, beforehand to be aware of these things. Why? So when we get there, we, 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 are, we are approaching with the, the right way and get a chance to deal with these things in our life. He says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, I'm repeating myself. If you get tired of hearing this, then, then, you don't, then, then you're not open to what God's word says. He repeat Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, listen, we talk about this all the time. You've heard me say this before. Notice what he said, that those who practice such things, that were practice, I think the King James says do, and the, and, the, and, the, and the King just says do. Those who do those things, people say, oh, I start getting worried all of a sudden because I've, 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 nobody's casting stones this morning, but I've done some of these things in the past. Am, am, I, am, I, am I out of luck? Am I, am I in trouble? Do is not an occasional thing. Something that just happens and you know it's not right and you're, you're dealing with it and you're, you're working on it. That's not what it is. Not saying that we approach it, I can do this occasionally, it's not a big deal. I'm, you don't understand what I'm saying. Do is something that's happened and an occasional thing. The, the real word is practice. The New King James is a better definition or translation. It's those who practice such things means it becomes just who they are. That it's not something that bothers them. It's not something that they really think is that big of a deal. It's just a way of, it's just now becomes, has become their norm. It's their go-to. It's just how they live. And it's okay. Because nothing's happening. The sky hasn't fallen. I've been doing this for years and nothing's happening. Delayed judgment is not judgment, period. Now, I know people don't, well, we talk about judgment in church. Judgment is a real thing. I said judgment is a real thing. Well, you're being judgy, Pastor Greg. No, I'm not. We're preaching what God's word says so that when the time comes, they can judge themselves so they be not judged. This applies to us and our message. We have to be strong on these things because he said, those who practice such things. Do we want to read the rest of this? Those who practice such things will not Well, it got real serious. Uh, yes, this is life and death. Those who practice such things will not. Remember, he's talking to believers. Does this apply to unbelievers? Absolutely. Does it apply to believers? Absolutely. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. 
will not. Well, I don't, you know, pastor, I've known some great people that they struggled in this area. They've struggled in that area. Sometimes we use the, the word struggle as a nice way of saying they just accepted and just made it a part of who they were and thought it was no big deal. Yeah, I know what the Bible says, or they hunted for other scriptures that explained it away, but didn't line up with the over, overall message of God's word. You know, people do that. That's called, you know, the devil knows a lot of scripture, right? He quoted scripture to Jesus. Was he right in his application? No. But he still quoted scripture. I know we got to go, but this is important. We've got to be a place where we're not ashamed of these things. And one of the reasons why I say that is when if somebody gets up and, 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 and something comes up and something gets ministered on, people can lock down and start pushing back because well, that, I, don't, I don't like that topic. I don't like that discussion. I don't like the way that sounds. It makes me uncomfortable. That might make somebody else uncomfortable. We're not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. Two things. We're not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. And if I made anybody uncomfortable this morning by reading this, not my intention to make you uncomfortable. But my first priority of comfort is not you. Or it's not even me. It's the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If the, if the Holy Spirit, if we started getting up and saying that adultery, fornication, all the things were okay, done in moderation. Or every now and then. Or, or it's okay for you because of these certain situations. Or lying, or, or idolatry, or any of these things. Well, I get it, but it's okay for you. Is that what this says? If I were to start preaching this, do you think the Holy Spirit would hang out? Do you think the teacher, the revealer of truth, would stay in the room? He'd be gone. In fact, Jesus told this church there, I hate this. I'm disgusted by it. And if you don't do something about it, I'm going to come fight against you. That's the last person we want fighting against us is the Lord Jesus, right? You can come fight after fight with me. Don't send Jesus, right? Well, Jesus was loving. Yes, he was, but read, read earlier in the book of Revelation. That should put the fear of God in you, right? We've got to present these things. I said we have to present these things. You know, as, as a church, it's up to us to be open to what God's word says. The whole counsel of God's word, all of it. Like I said, I'm not trying to offend any, anyone. It's not, it's not why we're doing it. You know the gospel is offensive. It's a stumbling block for some. And it's a rock of offense. Isaiah 1.8 says, and Peter, 1 Peter 2, he talked about it being a rock of offense. It's offensive. Side note, of your Christian life, if your testimony, if the message you're preaching with your life doesn't offend somebody every now and then, may need to work up on what message are you preaching. The reason I say this is because we, we, we must speak the truth. God's not okay. He's not okay with, 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 with he's, not, he's not okay with us presenting a half gospel. Half gospel gets half power or no power. Half gospel produces half results or no results. 
So as a church, as Impact Family Church, what's part of our vision is to preach the whole counsel of God's word, not to make apologies for it, not to, not to hate on people, not to be judgmental, not to say, listen, we don't fight against flesh and blood. People aren't our problem. People's eyes have been blinded. We have to present the truth. How can they see unless someone teach them? How can they know the truth unless it's presented? How can we be effective as a church in our community, what God's called us to do in our generation, unless we're bold to, to speak the word, not going on tangents and going after things and preaching against this or preaching against that, but preaching for righteousness and for the word of God and for the things that please him and make him happy and will cause eternal life to move into someone's life. That's what it requires. Every person here has someone you can think of that needs the truth. I, don't, I love them. I don't, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. If you love them, make them uncomfortable because the day, I'm not, I'm not saying in a just, in a, in a pushy, you understand, it's not what I'm saying. But, but, but we can't avoid things as to not offend them or to upset them because they're going to be more than offended one day if we believe God's word. People who practice such things, make it their lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sin is dangerous. These things he, he, he warned against, the evil the dark times that were coming, perilous times, it's full of this stuff. And you, we can accept it as normal and okay and God accepts it. That is nothing more than modern day Nicolaitism. It's just the same thing. Jesus, not, there's nothing new out there. The devil doesn't have anything new. He was trying to infect the church. Then the same thing is going on now. There's many ways to heaven live a good life, you don't need to do this, you know, uh, uh, all of the, it's just all, it's inclusivity, it's all right, just your truth, what you believe, that's important, do what you believe, that's what's important, no, no, the, the flame's not really that hot, you, you can just put your hand on there, just leave it for 10 minutes, no, I've been to the burn ward at Shands, don't do it, it's awful, right, we've got to present that. This is who we are. So I'm hoping you see, you know, like what, what, what's, what's, what's our church? You know, in this area, the word of God has got to be number one. Never shy away from that. Never run from that. Never, never apologize for the truth. Never apologize for the truth. All things must be done in love. All things must be done in love. It's so easy to, to get out of step and start letting personal opinions and, and all these things get involved. Don't let that happen. You love people enough to tell them the truth. We love people enough to stand for what's right. We love God enough and we value the sacrifice of his son enough to submit, to bow our knee and say, all right, you're right. We all have things in our lives we can bow. So we all have things in our lives that we can bow. We have all have things in our life that we can submit, areas where we can step up, things the Lord's been dealing with us about, Right? We probably all have some of those things. Are you saying if I don't, I'm not going to go to heaven? I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you think it's no big deal to live a life that's in contradiction to God's word and you practice that your whole life, you practice that, I can just, I, I'll just refer you to the verses we read. But now you know it. Now you get to make a decision. We've got to present that to people. And that's what we're going to do. So that's what we're going to do.
I, like I said, I believe there's a generation, there's people that want to know the truth. They're there. Will some fight? Absolutely. They, the devil always fights. But I've read the end of the book. We always win. Righteousness and truth will prevail. It always has. It always will. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.